Every day, America Online is making it easier for people to live, work, and play. When we installed internet access on our computer, I got the whole family involved. And you Just what is this main artery of the information superhighway? You beautiful bastards! No matter how large, no matter how small, we'll be on the internet in the year 2000. It's the primary way that people will look at information. Shut Hello and welcome to When We Were There by Internet History. I'm Thomas. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast all over the history of internet content. The who's who's, the what's what's, the where's Waldo's. We're going to get into it all. Whether you like it or not. Today, we have another Goliath, okay? We've had banger after banger of dope guests. But today, we have one of the guys that topped the charts. He started it all. Mr. Judson Lapier, how are you, sir? I am doing well. I am doing well. And just for your future reference, it's lie plea. So imagine lie a plea. lawyer. Yeah, I thought I would fuck it up. Oh, that's all right. Everybody does. It's not the end of the world. So imagine a lawyer lying to get a plea bargain. Okay. So or, when I joked earlier and I said it was la ply. Oh, yeah. You're way off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say I wasn't as far off as I thought. You were considerably worse. How's it going? Uh, going well. Going well. So definitely uh, ready to be back uh, as things slowly start to open up. So it's been yeah. like, you know, for most people, it's been a pretty uh, interesting year at the very least. Year and a half almost at this point, no? I yeah. Guess not I mean, quite. a year and a month, essentially. So I, I, I have, my wife has a flight next week and it'll be her first flight in 14 months. And I've taken a couple since then. But March yeah. 11th, I came home from an event in Orlando, Florida. And while I was at that event, which is where Disney World was, they announced that Disney was shutting down on Sunday Jeez. and I left on Saturday. So I was literally on the road until like when everything just really shut down pretty much. I was actually flying home from Indonesia end of January. We were one of the first flights wow. where we were gonna fly through, I believe Beijing and they just canceled all flights to China. So we had to go through Taiwan. And Thomas, when it happened, you were in Australia. Yeah, I was in Australia. Well, I flew from Indonesia to Australia while COVID was like starting to ramp up. And I actually thought they were going to like hassle me a little bit. And all they asked was, um, they're like, have you been to China in the last six months? Or? And I was like, no. And they're like, okay, you're good. And that was it was a different time. Yeah. But trying to get home, it was like at the end of March and they... I was living in Adelaide, and I had to fly from Adelaide to Sydney, Sydney to Brisbane, Brisbane to Vancouver, Jeez. and like 10 minutes, bef 10 minutes before leaving to the airport in Adelaide, I get a notification on my phone saying that uh, the flight from Sydney to Brisbane has been canceled, and I'm like, oh, okay, I mean, I guess I'm going to go to the airport and try and sort this out, and no one was any help at all, and I was like, I guess I'm going to go to Sydney, and try and sort this out uh and then thankfully i managed to get a, another plane with a different airline in time to reach my flight back to vancouver from brisbane but i had to sleep in a park in order to <laughs> so it's been a year for you yeah yeah i mean it was fun honestly it was i bet there are some incredible adventure stories of people around you know, oh yeah around that time of of trying to get home and all the things that you had to do as, as stuff was getting canceled. And well, I rented a U-Haul and I drove 900 miles to get the last flight out of X place. Yeah, no, I never want to be on a plane again. 
But aside from the beauty of COVID, if there's some <laughs> idiot that doesn't know the Goliath that you are, how would you explain who you are? So for the uninitiated, and it, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily idiot. It's just anyone above the age of about 25. Uh, so because, you know, I was fortunate. My video was the first viral video on YouTube. So it was the first video ever to hit several benchmarks, but the biggest one being 100 million views. That was kind of the... It's crazy. You know, in the early days of YouTube, when it first went viral, somebody even said to me once, they're like, this thing could hit 100 million views. And I was like, that's nuts. Like, because every website came and went within the span of a couple of years, you know, oh, this was the popular thing. Oh, no, now it's not anymore. And so you thought YouTube would be the same. That when it hit 20 some million, somebody's like, this could get to 100. And I'm like, no, it's not. The site won't be around that long. (laughs) They'll run out of money. Well, that's the crazy thing with... Even if you're talking about like television shows, the idea of getting 100 million views on any program in traditional media is insane. And you did that with seemingly no budget, just yourself. And did you ever even think that would be possible? No, I mean, it's looking back in hindsight, it's hard to remember what my thought process was at that time because nothing like that had happened yet. You know, you got to, it's 2006, and for people who aren't, I'm 45 and I feel like I'm kind of that right age range because I know what it was like before the digital world existed and I also know what it was like when the digital world kind of became norm. There yeah, was no geez. high there was no high speed internet at 50% of the world if even that, yeah. you know. Even you know part of what YouTube did so well is it allowed people to share larger files, video files rather than try to email the actual file to each other, you know. Before my video the big viral videos of the time were Numa Numa and the Star Wars kid. But those yeah. were sent as literal files that somebody would email to a group of people. And if you didn't have a broadband internet, you know, try downloading that on a 56K, you were, you were there for three hours. Yeah, just to watch a guy go like... Yep, <laughs> for 60 <laughs> seconds too. Like you did all that and yeah. you got 60 seconds worth of video. So, I was doing that in dial-up. It was wild. Yeah, like I remember a friend of mine before the video ever went wild, I thought it was cool because I got a StarTech mobile cell phone, one of the like <laughs> early ones. Like you know, it was super expensive. It was state of the art. But what was cool about it is it was also a fourteen point four modem, so you could download email when you were on the road. And so I was working as a speaker, and I was on the road, and he sent me a song to my email, and it took eight hours to download and cost oh my me God. sixty dollars. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> because yeah. I, I couldn't get any of my emails behind it until it finished downloading. And so I made him pay <laughs> yeah. me the 60 bucks for it and was like, do never Yikes. email me a song again. <laughs> I well, I mean, one of the earlier podcasts we did with a friend of ours, Kayam, we were talking about how so many times you'd go on like LimeWire and download a movie. It'd take like five days and half the time it was just porn. Yep. Yeah, I think everybody you know over the age of maybe thirty five remembers setting up LimeWire or Napster or anything the night before you went like you went to bed. You would start downloading like thirty things, go to bed, wake up in the morning, and just hope that they all went through, that they didn't stop, that there wasn't an interruption, it wasn't a file corruption. It was like playing the lottery every night. You wake up in the morning, you're like, "Yeah, I got seven songs." <laughs> you yeah, know, I grew up pretty broke, so I had that. But ten years later. <laughs> Still living the same as people in the early 90s. But awesome. I th- I think something wild is that me and Thomas were both huge YouTube kids. 
we would watch the top 10 most subscribed or the most viewed list. And when everyone to the most viewed list up until like, I think 2010, yeah, you'd be there always at the top. Yeah, I was, I mean, very lucky again. It's, it's also one of those things I, for sometimes I use the joke that in the early days of YouTube and still to this day, people who make the first comment, it became a thing to just be first. Like the first yeah, comment first. would just say first. Like I got here first. I'm the literal iteration of that for YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Like kind first. of like the first, you know, there are other viral videos. There are bigger viral videos, but I was just in the right place, right time that when YouTube became common as far as just infiltrating and permeating a whole market, my video was the video that was like the video of the moment. So yeah, up until yeah. probably whenever they launched the music side of things, the music video side yeah, of things. Yeah, the Vivos. I think it was Justin Bieber's baby that passed you first. Yeah, so what I lost it to girlfriend for a little bit by <laughs> Avril Lavigne. Yeah. And then I don't know how I got it back. It just it came back. Like I think there was kind of a push from the YouTubers of the world and the people who were like, you know, who were like, damn the man, like we can't let yeah. a music video be number one. <laughs> and then yeah, I got well, it we back. were watching actually, like the chart where it shows like what passes what. Yeah. And I think what happened was you just have so much more staying power than something like a one-off song. So eventually people stopped watching Girlfriend. They're like, okay, we're consistently still watching this. Maybe. I mean, that, that, that could be, you know, that's the hardest part. You never really know exactly how any of those things. And then eventually it was actually, I think, I think it was Charlie bit my finger that ended up taking it from me. Again. It was actually Charlie bit my oh, correct, finger correct. again. I always, I, correct. Yeah, that's right. It is Charlie bit my finger <laughs> again. Uh which I mean, they're great. The the that family is hilarious. They're a ton of fun. You had them on your podcast, eh? I did. Yeah. So I had met Howard and the boys, uh, two thousand and fifteen, maybe during the uh, safety video wars, which is when all of the airlines <laughs> were trying to outmaneuver each other with cooler and funner and more hip. Flight safety videos. Delta Airlines did one with a whole bunch of internet personalities, and so we were all in. We it was we went, like Pork and Beans Part Two. It was literally Pork and Beans Part Two. So several of the people that I met on Pork and Beans came and were on that. Uh, was Liam there? Did he do that? I don't think he did because I think he had a conflict mm. when they were filming. But it only lasted for like four months. Something happened somewhere in the wonderful world of marketing agencies and corporations and FFA regulations. They had it on the planes and it was on there for like six months, if that, like four to six months. And then they took it down and put up an older generic <laughs> one. So either somebody didn't get permission for something that they were supposed to and they were kind of SOL or somebody got angry about it or someone on the sea level was just like, this is stupid. Get that off our yeah. airplanes. Well, that's another thing we should mention. Like if people who are listening to this podcast are like, I want to watch more stuff that's like this. You do have a podcast that's actually very similar. I do. So I started a podcast uh, called The Evolution of Viral and kind of in the same realm is just talking to and discussing some of the different entities that have gone viral. And I think what's cool is in the same breath, you know, I th what you guys are doing, I think is cool because you're talking about a variety of things, not just necessarily things that have gone viral because some things have grown. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of YouTubers, there's a lot of influencers, there are a lot of podcasters that have grown their audiences versus somebody who went viral who either came in real fast and then disappeared or came in real fast and then that was a launching pad to a, a yeah. much bigger, you know, 
Shane Dawson, Philip DeFranco, people like that, they never had a viral moment. You can't point to that one moment that they came out of nowhere. You know, the overnight 10 six, you know, I just is a good example. I'm trying to get her on the show, but she actually had a viral moment with a very relevant aspect with her Twitter video of her AT&T bill, which was probably shown. Oh, yeah, on, right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And it was she was still she was doing what she's doing now she kept doing what she was doing but that really i'm sure benefited and helped her get a little you know a little bit more of an audience so Absolutely, i think it's yeah. so i'm focusing mostly on the viral thing so something that came out of nowhere or just had a big explosion um versus necessarily the things that have been around because they did a great job of actually building up an audience base and growing into a successful company or brand or product so here's what we do here's my idea you meet thomas we go to justine's house we yeah. say justine <laughs> bubba baby you're gonna come on both of our podcasts you're gonna go on judson's and you're gonna talk about how you got viral and then you're gonna come on to ours and talk about being the ipod girl selling ipods on different sites and yeah. sort of gaining a following before youtube being a life caster is what they used to call them yeah life caster <laughs> having a vlog yeah <laughs> together we can get her I think we can. Once the border opens up, then we'll we'll do that. There we go. We'll drive yeah. down to you. <laughs> I I think another cool thing is that sort of in your journey of going through the internet, much like other people like Liam Kyle Sullivan, who we've had on Michael Buckley, your video is actually almost uploaded by accident because you're doing it to show a student that you did a show with to show his friend. It wasn't to try to get viral or big on the internet. Yeah. So. Again, we're talking we're talking April of 2006 is when I technically uploaded the video on YouTube. YouTube, I didn't even know what YouTube was. Somebody had asked me to put the video on my MySpace page and I needed to know how to do that. And if you Googled that, you came up with Video Egg, YouTube, and somebody else were the sites that allowed you to upload a video, get an embedding code, copy and paste that into your MySpace profile, and boom, now you've got a video in your MySpace profile and you're awesomely cool and hip. And YouTube had the best user interface, was literally the only reason I picked YouTube. It wasn't because I thought I was gonna continue to stay in business. I was just like, oh, this is the easiest. It's one button, upload, select, upload. Like that was it, that's all you had to do. Uh, and then luckily on its own, it it did what videos did. You know, now anybody that uploads anything to any platform, to any site, hopes in the back of their mind that it might just happenly go viral. Mm -hmm. But in the early yeah. mid-2000s, you didn't, you didn't because you didn't know, you didn't even know that existed back then. Yeah, yeah I mean, like you said, the best you could get was uh, having it be emailed a ton. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, there's a good story from uh, the guys at Rooster Teeth before they launched Rooster Teeth. Um, I think it was... Like they, some of them were living on the West Coast in like California, and some of them were living in Austin. And they made the, um, they made like a like I'm a Mac, I'm a PC parody, back <laughs> in the day about like gaming. And there's like oh, I'm a PC and I have all these games. And then Gus Rola is like I'm a Mac and I can't do anything. <laughs> um, but uh, so they made that video, and then I can't remember. Someone was on the West Coast, and the next day. They got emailed to the uh, like to them from someone at work, and then that's when they were like, "Oh, okay, like stuff can really spread." When yeah, they're like someone like a friend of mine in California, less than twenty four hours later, is seeing this video that I just sent out. 
and that I think was when they were like, all right, let's let's actually make something. Yeah, it so was like the. I think one of the things YouTube did so well is, you know, the promise of the internet in the early 2000s, you know, the, the, the dot-com boom is how much the internet was going to change everything and bring the world together. And that's 100% true, but I think it just took so much longer than anybody thought it was going to take. And I think the mm. 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10 was when that really started to to bubble up with the you know, even with podcasts becoming popular, you know, early podcast days, podcasts are going to change everything. And then how long did it take before people were like, we're oh, I listen to podcasts too, versus the other people that are like, yeah, I had to go to this site, then to this site and download it onto my phone. And then I had to put it over here and then I was able to listen to it versus now. Yeah, I don't know anybody who hasn't at least seen or heard one podcast. I think this is something Josh and I talk about too, which is, um, just with technology in general, it used to be a lot harder to get things done. Like both of us growing up being like we were kids using it, but using like learning on, I don't know what you first started on Windows 90. Windows 95. 95. And I was on Windows 2000, but like it wasn't super user friendly back then. Like you had to know how to troubleshoot. And like you were saying, like if you wanted to listen to a podcast, like you had to go to this site and download the thing and all this, you know, whatever. And now it's so it's one click away. Like like you said, the reason probably why YouTube did so well is that they started by doing one click upload. You know, yeah. same and as just, I think. Oh, sorry, go on. Oh no, go go right ahead. I was just gonna say, consumer uh, consumability is always a factor. The ease of consumption for anything. Yeah. And now we almost get to the point where we get frustrated when it takes more than one step to do anything. <laughs> of course. Well, it's all condensed too. It's like. Even if you look at the landscape of the internet in the Wild West days as the actual Wild West, maybe that's why they call it that. Huh? <laughs> Who knows? But I mean, where there are all these spread out colonies. Like if I was like, oh, I want to watch a funny video. I'm going to go on like funny junk. I'm going to go on Newgrounds. I'm going to go Ebombs World, Homestarrunner.com, Happy Tree Friends. But now, much like podcasts or YouTube, it's all just in one spot. It's easy to get to. You don't have to go to a different site. You can get it on your phone. It's simple. Yep. And the somebody, you know, it's we're seeing it, we're seeing it play out again with cryptocurrency. There are hundreds of different cryptocurrencies. Eventually, cryptocurrency as a thing is going to be mainstream. The question will be who's going to be left standing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and the internet, like you said, it's a wild, wild west. It was the same thing. Everybody rushed, and there's a lot of possibility and chance. But so at some point in time, things will start to fall off, and then someone, you know, if if Google would not have bought YouTube, I don't think YouTube would exist anymore. No, because no, I'm pretty sure not. they said most of the time it still doesn't actually even make money. That YouTube yeah. itself as a silo company. No, well, the amount of bandwidth that they yeah, have to like, exactly. pay for and storage and everything. No. Yeah. Also the tech support. Because remember when like you just go on YouTube and it would be like, <laughs> oh, the site is down. Come back in like 20 <laughs> minutes. That never happens anymore. And it, the fun message where it was like a team of monkeys are working to fix it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when you think it's about amazing. how much is being uploaded on a daily basis, it's just, I mean, it's mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like, I don't even know, like hours, thousands of hours. 53 I think it's like, years on average per day. That's, that's Jesus. insane. Yeah. So 53 years worth of content is uploaded a day. <laughs> that's wild. I wonder, like, I always wonder how, like, digital half-lives will be and how, like, digital archaeology will work. Like, I mean, there's sites like Internet Wayback Machine, but even still, like, there's things that I... 
even that I've uploaded that are, as far as I can tell, lost to the ether. And I'm wondering. Yeah, like, me as well. How much how much of it is actually going to stick around? Because uh, people always like, oh, there's going to be so much data on the past, which there will be more, but I don't know. Like, I'm sure even deleted stuff's in a dump somewhere. We just can't access. I just mean like a like a a carved stone is going to oh, last okay, yes, longer yes, than yes. a hard drive. You know? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, what point and what point do we realize we need to just essentially delete all the old stuff? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, how old is the internet really? In truth, twenty. 20 plus years maybe we'll say 30 years yeah the years first like. web server 89 was when the first web server that was yeah. more digestible by the public yeah but like the average when quote unquote regular people started using it was probably oh, probably like 98 with yeah. the iMac that was probably one of the first things that did it so we're looking we're looking at 20 plus you know 25 years what happens in like another Fairly, 100 yeah. years yeah christ <laughs> yeah jesus <laughs> and that exponentially just somebody's at one point just going to do a complete wipe you know, like you do with your emails at some point in life. You're like, just delete them all, man. Just get rid of all of it. Not me. I still have like, I don't know how many. I have my old Hotmail account. I don't I don't check them now. So it's like, I don't know, 10,000 unread messages. I remember I had two fun numbers. One was 1,337. And I was like, nice. That's neat. <laughs> and then what was the other? I think it was like. 42069 was a good one too. There you go. <laughs> of course. I of think course. right now we invested in a Hotmail account called uh, Cool Booty James. And one day we'll sell that for a million dollars. Well, that's I think that should be our contact email for the show. If you want to like set, Cool Booty James? Cool Booty James at hotmail.com. If you have any questions or suggestions that you would just want to reach out, email us at coolbootyjames at hotmail.com. Please do. Yeah. And then we'll get back to you promptly. right away. Yeah. I just picture I some it... of those kids like that were in college that did the, you know, terrible, terrible names for their Hotmail or AOL or whatever, and then went for a job interview one day. It had that like on yeah. their resume. They're like, so if you need to get a hold of me, I am at suck my, uh, I'm sorry, uh, I need a professional <laughs> one real fast. My bad. Yeah. Just for my Facebook, I still have jewishboyjoshahamel.com. That's nice. a good email. That's a good one. It's not bad, but it's... <laughs> Not something you'd put in a resume. Depends did you happen to see, applying. because you just that reminded, did you happen to see all the story about all the Joshes getting together in Nebraska? No, I didn't. So no, you didn't hear about this? Yeah, no. somebody started um, basically emailing all these different people that have Josh as their first name and then the same last names. And they did like a Royal Rumble in Nebraska and like 200 and some people showed up. And so and they all died. It's fantastic. Yeah, they were like doing <laughs> rock, paper, scissors for who got to keep the actual name so I have a friend whose Josh. name's Josh Sunquist, and there's like seven other ones. And so they were all there, and they were like, ah. Did he win? Uh, he didn't say he didn't. I just saw one of his posts that was like, I've been waiting my whole life for this day. And it was like to seven other Joshes that was like, I will see you in Nebraska on April 27th or 25th or whatever it was. Yeah. I, I just other happened Josh last Zuckerman's, week. But not with two ends. Ah, there Sorry? you go. I found other Josh Zuckerman's, but not two ends, not the Yiddish double end. So it's not, it doesn't count. It's fine. We're good. I'm number one, baby. (laughs) Uh, I think a funny thing was when we had Liam on the podcast, he was talking about how one of the inspirations to do masks, and you talked with him about that as well, was he saw that Jimmy Fallon and Brian Cranston did a video called Hats, which was very similar. But Jimmy Fallon actually did you twice with Will Smith as like the evolution of hip hop dance. And then I think five times, six, six times. times, I think. Jesus. Do you get yeah. b- the back end on that? Nope. But that's all right. Oh, yeah. So he did it. 
He did an opening night. So the first night that Jimmy Fallon hosts The Tonight Show, he did it yeah. with Will Smith. They did the evolution of hip-hop <laughs> dancing. And I was yeah. like, people were like, oh my God, he stole you. And I'm like, absolutely not. Because when you are fortunate enough to have a viral video, when you are lucky enough to have something like that happen, because there is no... There is no skill set for it. There is no like strategic <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to make this happen. And after it does, you're like, I did this. It's a yeah. wonderful congruency of hard work, talent, uniqueness, timing, luck, all those things. When you have that happen, anything external like that just continues to cement that spot in pop culture. So, yeah. yeah. Would it be cool if Jimmy called me up and was like, hey, do you mind if I do this? I'd have been like, yes, please. Would it be cool if one day they call me up and they're like, hey, you want to come on the show and do one with him? Yeah, that'd be awesome. But I don't, like, doesn't bother me in the slightest. So he's done the evolution of hip hop, the evolution of yeah. the touchdown dance with uh, Justin Timberlake, the evolution of mom dance one with Michelle Obama, the evolution of mom yeah. dance two with Michelle Obama. <laughs> And the one that he probably regrets doing is the evolution of the dad dance with Chris Christie, who at the time was, was going to oh, be yeah. a nominee possibly for presidential. Yeah. And then he recently did the evolution of, oh, uh, shoot. It was something else, but with, uh, with J-Lo, with Jennifer Lopez. Okay. I think he's got to have you on for one reason that if there are people listening to this, they haven't seen your video in a couple of years or a while, go back and watch you can fucking dance, my guy. Wow! Hey, thanks, man. Although I'm no, that, but I that mean, was... like the, the dancing is insane. When you just transition to the worm, you get height. <laughs> I, one of my one of my skills in life at a younger age was I was really really good at doing the worm. I could do it frontwards, <laughs> backwards, sidewards, and I get really good height when I do it. And Yo, so you all got of height. this stemmed out of that. You just could do the worm, and you're like, I guess I need to learn every dance ever now. <laughs> so I think one of the things, and I gotta. You were talking about pork and beans earlier, and I got one of my favorite comments from somebody at the pork and beans shoot. So people people who don't know, Weezer did a video, which it's a great story too, because this is why I love Rivers. Rivers Como, who's a lead singer of Weezer, they had finished an album and the studio was like, or the publisher house was like, listen, you need a hit. Like you need a radio hit on this CD. Because a lot of Weezer's traditional music doesn't lend itself as much to radio play, you know, yada, yada. So he went out and like one day wrote Pork and Beans for that specific reason. And they go, okay, great. Let's do something fun for the video. And they decided at the time to get all of the biggest viral videos and reenact them inside the same studio, interact with them, do them themselves, yada, yada. So I go to the shoot and there is a choreographer there who was helping three guys who had been in a video like he was going to choreography a little thing for them. And he came running over yeah. and just said, oh, my gosh, so excited to meet you. And he goes, I want to tell you something, but I don't want it to sound like I'm an asshole. He goes, you are not a trained dancer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm not. I've never taken a dance class. And he goes, but that's what I love about your video. He's you can dance. You have fun dancing, but I can tell that you're not a professional dancer. And I think that's probably what the biggest appeal was from my video, because there are a lot of people who are better dancers than I am, no doubt, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. I can dance. I have rhythm. But I'm the not... range of your dancing is so many different <laughs> types, so many different styles. Fallon's got to have you on, but I'll do you one better. Conan. You got to yeah, go Con on Conan. Conan would be fun. Conan would be fun. Because yeah. he's superior. <laughs> No, but I, I think you're right in that. And that's something we also always talk about is that like the authenticity and like feeling more like you feel more like just a regular person, you know, by like you're a good at dan you're a good dancer, but you're also not like 
better or like above people, you know? Like it feels like kind of attainable. Yeah, I'm not going to uh, go win. like that. So you think you can dance. I'm not going to go win America's Got Talent as a dancer. Like I can do this one thing <laughs> that has multiple dances in it, but I don't do any of them for more than 15 or 20 seconds. That's the other beauty of it. I didn't have to learn a really yeah. long routine. <laughs> you know, like when I do it now, it's I keep it updated for when I perform it. So, you know, it's got Soldier Boy in it and I only have to do the side to side yeah. sideways motorcycle thing. I don't have to do all the fancy footwork before that. Just enough for it to be recognizable. That's exactly. Just enough for people to go, oh yeah, that's the dance that goes with that song. Got it. So for the invention of evolution of dance, I've kind of read a couple of things that have said where it comes from, but you're a motivational speaker mm -hmm. and a comedian, correct? Correct. And was it that, and again, I'm probably butchering this, Please correct me. Um, <laughs> but I think it was something along the lines of you were doing of how we evolved as humanity. And then you ended your talk with that. Is that correct or not at all? I mean, close enough. The concept being when you well, when you work as a speaker, when you work, if you look at it from just a pure marketing standpoint, which is how this all of really evolved. When you perform, when you're a musician, when you're a comedian, when you're an artist, when you're a brand, you have to have something that becomes your signature. That is, you know, whether that's a product, whether that's a bit, whether that, you know, Jeff Foxworthy is a comedian had, you might be a redneck. Yeah. Larry the Cable Guy has Get Her Done. Um, Chris Rock had a specific bit that I won't say because it's not appropriate for me to say. That became Fair his enough. signature bit yeah. for... And that's not the only thing they've ever done. It's just that's the thing at that moment that either catapults them. You know them, in the back of your mind, yeah. Yeah, that kind of becomes that. So as a professional speaker, it's all about exposure. It's all about people remembering you and then hopefully hiring you for <laughs> their event. So I was trying to figure out what I could do that was different, that was fun, that was would be memorable, that also incorporated the idea of evolution and change. It's a topic that's yeah. my main topic is everything changes, not everything evolves. And what's the difference about learning how to get better and bettering your life and yada, yada. So I came up with the idea for the dance solely to do at the end because it was high energy. It would, I thought it would be high energy. I thought it would be fun. I thought it would be memorable. And once I came that up with is. the idea and tried it out the first time, it was pretty obvious that that was going to become... You know, and this is in 2000, so this is six years before the YouTube video. This is just the first time yeah. doing it. The reaction so was from the, the video itself was actually in 2006? Yeah, so the video was shot in 05, so the late, late 05, okay. like October of 05. All right. And, and when you talk about synergistic stuff, I was trying to find a... I, you film most of your shows in your early days of your career, both for footage, for promotional material, and then just to get better. And I had a lot of high eight digital tapes. And yes. so I was trying to find the cleanest, clearest, both audio and visual of just the dance. Like I had side yeah. camera views and I had terrible views in the back. That one just happened to be the cleanest, the clearest. Yeah. And it's also, in hindsight, probably one of the benefits is because it was a straight camera shot. It was audience audio. So it wasn't a direct feed of the music. You know, if you couldn't hear the audience reaction, I don't think it would be nearly as fun or, or yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't yeah, been totally. as shareable. So, and it was a lower quality because that's what we had at the time. So I think, and I was wearing an Orange Crush t-shirt. Like that was just one that of like- That became iconic. Yeah. It was like one of seven t-shirts that I used to wear because I was, I think, 30 at the time. And I was trying to 
look like I was only 24 or 25. So I wore like a Pepsi yeah. shirt. Uh, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a lollipop shirt and all these crazy yeah. retro shirts and the orange crush one just happened to be the video that I uploaded. I think, well, yeah, just do the, like the imagery of it also, just the, the spotlight on yeah. you, even just the, the way that the, the stage behind you is split where it's like black and then white and then your orange shirt pops out of it. Yeah, I mean, it just like happened to be like pretty. I mean, maybe it's just because it's an iconic video that it feels very like strong imagery to me. But I don't yeah, know. I think there's something to that as well that like it has a good imagery to it. Yeah, kind of one of those happy accidents. Like I would love to say that. And one of the other things that I did, again, we're talking 2006 to edit video and put text into video up until maybe a year before that required like a dual deck system with a computer linked and doing graphics. I used iMovie to add my name, inspirational comedian, the title, the evolution of dance and my website to the front of the video. And that probably was the <laughs> smartest thing that I ever did. Yeah. Before I uploaded it, like doing just that alone was probably worth, you know, hundreds of thousands of PR dollars. Yeah, Jesus. I think it's kind of wild, too, that and why I think it's great that you have the podcast Evolution Viral is that you have such this unique perspective as, you know, you've hit all these accolades. You've been the number one most subscribed. You were the number one most viewed video forever. And you kind of just have this perspective of how YouTube itself has evolved, which I mean, me and Thomas talk about this a lot, like the silver age of YouTube, the bronze age and the golden age being, I don't know, you're better with the dates here, but. Uh, I mean, in what sense? Like I think with the bronze age, that's probably like 05, 06. Yeah. Silver age, probably like 2006. To seven-ish. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's also just like when, we were using the site when we were kids, like watching the people we loved. But I feel like in terms of like creativity and like before it got corporate, yeah, before it got corporate, like to me, the peak of YouTube is like about 2008, 2007, 2008. And then it's kind of started to become less of what I loved. Not necessarily that it got worse, but it, less of what I love. And it feels like uh, it's a lot more difficult to be just like a person on YouTube. You know, now it's like you need to have like, uh like a budget and like production value or it'd be a company or some celebrity already you know it's a lot harder to just be like a person talking about your day or or making a funny video with your friend and then that gets picked up but i think even like the staying power of virality was so much bigger like you look at your video and that's to this day people from that age know who you are whereas like now if a video gets like uh, like let's say 10 million views in a day Tomorrow it's forgotten about, you know, like even something like last week we spoke to Yusuf Abu Taleb, who was the star of Lonely Girl 15. Oh, cool. That went insane. Like he was like he had to wear a disguise when he left the house. So people didn't know that he was an actor. It like blew up on mainstream media like that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. And but you're exactly right. If we could we could spend hours just dissecting the way all things go. But the. The availability of content back in the early days was there wasn't anything else. So you, were, you weren't competing with anything. The lifespan of a viral or virality, which is why if people say, how does something, how can I make something go viral? Like viral should never be a strategy. Like you're, if your strategy is well, based around viral, really. I think there was a time frame that 
maybe even in those gold years of YouTube where especially companies thought they could figure out a way to seed some of that at least. But now it's just everyone's in so many different places. You know, if you're trying to get if you're trying to talk to people under the age of 18, they're not on YouTube anymore. No, you know, they're TikTok. They're on TikTok, Instagram, you know, or Roblox. Yeah. You know, they're inside, Ro you know, all these other things. And I think that's the hardest part, too, is we knew that eventually there would be a point, especially on YouTube, where there's just not that everything's been done, but most everything's been done. Like, yeah, most topics are covered already. There's very few. There's very little information that isn't available on YouTube right now. So unless you come up with some incredibly great, unique way to share that information, you know, then then nothing you're going to be able to do is going to stand out past what already exists out there. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like, and I could be totally wrong here, but audience, don't correct me. You too? Correct me. If, if you're like, uh, Josh, Thomas, you guys were wrong, just... No, rate the podcast five stars and forget about it. But you correct me if I'm wrong. Is it almost seems like a lot of people that got huge. It was so much effort put into the actual quality of the video, but not really effort as far as it getting big. Like even Liam, shoes was a part of like what he would show in one of his shows as a cutaway. And then someone uploaded from MySpace to YouTube and then it blew up like he wasn't even trying to be a YouTube star it just happened but there's so much amazing effort put into shoes like we were talking to him about it and like just wow like it fucking holds up it does well I think it, it's like it's like any good piece of if you want to say art look at it you know look look at Hamilton let's take Hamilton for example how many years did Lin-Manuel Miranda write and create Hamilton you know, it was a seven to nine year process. You know, any Broadway show, really. And I, I use Broadway as an example because it's there's a term in Broadway called workshopping. You know, when you mm -hmm, when, yeah. a, when a thing actually launches on Broadway in New York City and it's finally made it to Broadway, that thing's gone through six to nine years worth of rewrites and reconfiguration and new choreography. And we're going to drop this scene and do that stuff. People are producing content so fast now, they don't have time to do all of that. It's all about just getting it out and and the idea is releasing it is better than not releasing it. So yeah. when you look at some of those old school original ones is I feel like they had spent a lot of time creating that incredible content. You know, Liam spent a year basically making shoes and filming yeah. it, you know, over time, it wasn't a year straight through, but it wasn't like, you know, he, and he said he would redo stuff and you would rewrite it. And, you know, comedians are the same way. Ask a joke, ask a comedian to do a five minute set from scratch and they'll, they'll be terrified. Of, you yeah. have to do all new original material. You have one hour to write it. Ready, set, go. It's probably going to be okay if they have good stage. You know, but their best stuff is worked on over months over time by constantly doing it, critiquing it, workshopping it, trying it out. And I think that's what happens when everybody just wants to produce. They feel like you have to keep pushing stuff out because that's the world we live in now is, you know, if you're not in front of them, then you're falling behind and you got to yeah, release absolutely. a thousand pieces of content every single day. Also, can we just say shout out Liam Kyle Sullivan? I mean, what a sweetheart. <laughs> oh, Liam's Live awesome. show, May 15th, liamshow.com. But I, I think another thing and where you met Liam is I was trying to explain to Thomas 
why I love Marvel movies as a comic book lover. And it's like, if you had told me 10 years ago that all these superheroes could come together in this amazing battle, I would have called you a witch and a crazy person. <laughs> Much like that for our childhood. When Pork and Beans came out... I, that was insane. I lost my gourd. Like I said to Liam, I thought like you guys were superimposed when I was a kid. I didn't think like, how could they get everyone? How did they get all these viral stars? Like it didn't make sense to me. But when that came out, like it was the most insane thing ever. I think, I mean, it was such a fun. One of the other beautiful things I think about the internet is we kind of go back to that authenticity. Everybody yeah. there was a real person. Everyone there was extremely grateful that they had had a virus. Nobody was a D. I should take that back. There weren't very many divas. <laughs> there were a few people that, you know, again, we had viral videos on the internet. We're not celebrities. We're not famous. We're not, we're not getting calls from these agencies out in LA and wanting to sign us immediately to a 360 deal. We're not going on, you know, we're not going into pitch meetings with the biggest brand. This is the early days. Now I know that happens a lot now if somebody has a big influencer and those things. So we were just excited to be able to be part of something and to get a call like, Hey, will you come to LA to film a Weezer video? Like yeah, I, didn't even, I literally crazy. was like, what are the dates? I'm in. Yeah. Like it, it, I'm, I'm open. I'm in. There was no, well, I'm going to need um, a trailer. And in that trailer, I'm going to need some workout equipment. You know, there was nothing. It was just, okay, wh what, are you, what are we doing? You know, you wanted to know what it was going to be. And when they said what the idea was, I was just like, I'm in. And I think it was a lot of fun for us too, because you always want to have shared experiences with people. And uh, at that time in 2009, to have had a viral video, there was so few of us that could sit around and actually just talk and and converse about our experiences. And that's why- And you getting know, to meet all these people too. Yeah, and getting to meet them yourself. And, you know, Liam and I got along really well because we were both a little older. So we had kind of already, yeah. you know, I was fortunate. My, our videos went viral when we were past the age of 25. You know, I don't know what would have happened if my video would have gone viral at 21. Yeah. Yeah, geez. And you guys were also able to actually elevate that into career, which a lot of people weren't able to do. Yeah, I'm really fortunate that my video lined up synergistically with my career and I get all of the benefits of a viral video I didn't try to pivot I didn't try to go to Hollywood and become something that I wasn't already and that's where I think if you ever have a viral experience that's where you really have to ask yourself how do I want to utilize this to leverage what I already know and what I'm already doing versus there are people who have had viral experiences that we don't hear as much from later on because they try to pivot and they try to do something, maybe what they went viral for, but they don't have the foundation of education and experience to go along with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's just something wild. A, just actually being able to take this and expand your career on when so many, I think, other people was like, maybe they had this big thing that hit like 10 million views and then couldn't capture that again. It was lightning in a bottle that... It just wasn't able to be a thing. And then you have all these people, like you said, that were big, but never really had a viral moment. And it's, there's no science to it, really. You can't really explain, like, how does someone get big? How does someone get viral? It's just, like, right place, right time. And it's wild. Yeah, you know, for anyone out there that's that's listening or watching, if, if you want to be a content creator, if you want to be an influencer at some point. And I remember sitting in a meeting. We were at an event where I got to meet some other viral people, the... Uh, keyboard cat guy whose cat was the keyboard cat, uh, the nine cat creator, 
uh, Antonio, all these, we were at this event and I was on a panel and I made this comment and someone came up to me afterwards. Google had just bought YouTube or had been like yeah. the first year. I said, if you're trying to build something sustainable, your goal shouldn't be to get one video that gets a hundred million views. It should be to have a hundred videos that get a million views each. Because yeah. now you've yeah. got a brand, you've got a market, and you've got an audience. And the person from Google, and I said, Google doesn't want you to have a video that gets 100 million. They'll take it, but they would rather you have 100 videos that all have a million. He came up and said, that's exactly what most creators don't understand. It's about building the audience, building your tribe, your people, and it's not about having one huge giant video that takes off. Because I didn't do that. That's if you want to knock on how I approached it, I didn't take that one video and then continue to put content out and build an audience. I'm a, I'm a literally a one hit wonder. If you want to look at, you can look at um, Smosh as like a counterpart. You exactly. guys both had your videos come out around the same time and their Pokemon theme song video was just as huge as yours was. Um, I think it was number five when you were number one, eh? Well, they were yes. number one when I put mine up. So oh, I okay, ended yeah. up taking it like they were like 11 million in the early days. And I think I, I think they got to like 15 or 16 when mine surpassed them uh, before it got taken down. But yeah, you're right. They're the exact opposite. They continued to create and have grown and expanded and they have a huge empire. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I don't know. It's the interesting, like, and we talked about this before with our other guests, the F&D Films, who are a smaller channel. But they did the similar sketch comedy thing. They even have Smosh in one of their videos as like voice actors from That's back awesome. in the day. But um, similar thing of them not making YouTube and creating on the site their priority, but choosing instead to like focus on traditional media was their choice. Um, and just seeing like how I don't know like it, the difference uh, where they it, things could have been different and they could have been the Smosh at the time. And I mean you and Smosh have obviously different styles and sensibilities, but like if they hadn't capitalized on their audience and you had, who knows, you know? Yeah. And I'm fortunate Maybe you'd be the main guy on the site. One, I'm fortunate that I, I knew what I wanted to do and I knew where I wanted to go, which is one mm -hmm. of the, you know, Liam and I, that's where we fit really. Like we weren't, we weren't trying to do that. So that's why it was beneficial to us because we, we got all the benefits and we have that, that title and that, that fun experience. But it's so difficult for people who don't know what they want to do when they have an opportunity like that, because if you're not really, yeah. you know, if your heart's not into it, if you're not really trying to become a content creator, but you have this great viral moment and all of a sudden everybody wants you to be a content creator for however long that viralness or virality exists, which as we know now is like a week. <laughs> yeah. If that, no. yeah, if that, you know, I mean, what was it? Four, six weeks ago, the video of the guy who was, I use this one as an example, the guy of the cat, the lawyer who accidentally had the cat filter on in Zoom, yeah, when he went to court and it was like, I, I'm not, I'm real, I'm not a cat, ha! And every, I mean, it was on every news channel. It was talked about for like three days, and now and everyone and, pretty much forgot. Yeah, about it. we'll go on to the next thing. So that's well, I didn't the, honestly, I didn't even see that one, and that's kind of speaking that as well as back in the day, when something got huge and viral, like everyone saw shoes, everyone saw evolution of dance, everyone saw like the Pokemon theme song, if uh, maybe not as much, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they stuck a meme stuck around and viral things stuck around long enough that everyone kind of got to see them before they disappeared. Well, now it's you... like, if you're not paying attention, like Josh, you didn't even hear about the Josh fight. Yeah. That's and hilarious. That's, that's your no. whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My whole thing is being Josh. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you guys just out of curiosity, cause this is a question I always love too, with people who have some base knowledge. How do you define viral? 
Like what's your tool of measurement now today versus what it was, you know, five, 10 years ago for some, because some, you hear people saying it all the time because it's a great clickbait. The video that broke the internet, the thing that broke the internet, this is going viral. You know, we love to talk about it, but how do you define viral? That's a good question. You're goddamn upstaging us on our own show. <laughs> You're the host now. No. I mean, think. well, I think I don't necessarily define it any differently. I just, I guess it doesn't like. It doesn't necessarily have to permeate the whole culture now to be viral. Like they're everything is like I don't know, it's so big now that it can be I guess viral. There's more niches, like, eh? It can be viral in its own section. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. I, I think it's the same. It's just that it like you could almost look at it as being like every viral video has like a half life of or like a life of like let's say a hundred million views. And it's just that it burns through that hundred million views faster now, maybe. I don't know. It's it's a good question. I would, I think how I would describe it is going back to youth. So me and my cousin Alex, who does all of the music for a podcast, shout out Alex. Go Alex. Um, I remember when we watched Pork and Beans. I think that was the first thing where like, I forget even how I found it. It might have just been on the Explore page, but it was one of these things where like we found it and we burnt out that old modem watching <laughs> pork and beans essentially like anytime i would go like because i'd go to his house every weekend we'd watch it it was just one of those things that didn't seem possible and i think viral to me is a video where people come together as a community to enjoy this thing mutually mm -hmm. where it's like this moment this frozen statue of time in history that people are like this is a thing that is amazing and we can all agree on that. Yeah. And we can look back at that time and when we watch a video like Pork and Beans, remember where we were then. So that's viral to me. I agree with that actually. I really like that. And I and it, and with that definition, things almost don't really go viral anymore. That's what I'm saying. I don't really think they do. Yeah. But that's just us. <laughs> no, I mean I don't think there is a def I think that's the beauty of it is it's 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 like most things in life. It's defined by the individual or the yeah. entity that's trying to define it. But it's funny how often people talk about, oh, this is going viral. And you're like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah, it's like 30,000 people. And you're like, yeah, it's not really viral. But if that's inside of a specific niche, let's say it's inside the, you know, tiny button collectors association, that might be half of the people yeah. that belong to that association. You know, that's the cool thing about it is you can go viral and not yeah. have millions and millions of views if it becomes something that people inside a certain for uh if you know Seth Godin is always talked about that like tribes like people belong to multiple tribes but you have I I like this so therefore I'm like there's one I know recently I do triathlons or used to do triathlons haven't done one for a couple of years so I still belong to some groups and this guy made a great video about all the different types of runners you see and it's just him running past a single camera, like the front leaning person, the person that leans back real far, the person that like wobbles. And it's only, yeah. I don't know, it's like 15 different runners. And I bet people have reposted that thing a thousand times totally. inside that one group. And if you run, follow running, exercise, you've seen that. But 99.9% of the population would have no idea. Well, I think even if you look at the niche of like you and me, like people who grew up with the authenticity of the internet, but we're also film school babies who love sort of like, how did you shoot this? 
I think a show that we really love is called Nirvana the Band the Show. It started as a YouTube series and then in 2017 it became a Viceland show and almost no one knows about it. But the people that do know about it is like to me it's the great one of the greatest television shows ever made. Yeah. And how it the what it is essentially is like kind of like a mixture between Borat meets um, Flight at the Concourse. It's these two guys nice. that are trying to get a show uh, at this place called The Rivley in Toronto. And it's shot almost mockumentary style, but much like Borat, they're interacting with real people. But they've created their own style out of this. And just how they pull that off is like amazing to me. And that's almost viral in our small little niche. That's cool. But so many people don't even know what it is. Yeah, and I think that's the perfect example of why, you know, inside marketing, they always tell you that you need to know yeah. who your audience is. And when I think it comes to content creation and what you're trying to do, you know, knowing who your audience is will increase your chances of going viral because you can make more relevant, authentic content yeah, towards that particular audience. I guess it's its own thing now. It's not quite what it was back in the day. Like I think as you were saying, by our definition of viral, it's yeah. completely different today. Yeah. I mean, and like, like events like that can still happen. They just are fewer and far between i guess because the community is larger so it's harder to find something that unites everyone as much and i think you can look at like the actual like the root of the word viral i mean it still it means the same thing and i think it's about like spread and transmission coronavirus right? like, it, within us exactly yeah. but if within like a <laughs> specific community if it gets spread all around then it's viral to that community and it's just a matter of scale so like things can still be viral, but the, it, before the scale was like there was one fixed scale, yep. and now there's like various different scales of which you can measure virality, I guess. And the same with memes. Like memes also, I mean, a meme is just a, a mind virus, a thought virus, is what it actually the the original definition, and it's just like the spreading and trading of ideas. Yeah, and I think like you mentioned, you know, now there's so many different communities even just platforms that now it's there's never good. I don't think we'll ever see another thing that kind of goes across all platforms. I mean, there are videos that get hundreds of millions of views on TikTok that if you're not in TikTok, yep. you you'll never see, you'll never have any idea about. Whereas, you know, in the early days, there was only one or two places you went, you know, cause whatever was, whatever went viral on YouTube was then on Ebom's yeah. e world and Reddit and, uh, up whatever upworthy and all the other you know whatever was an aggregating site that one thing was everywhere and so now there's just so much there that it's impossible for anyone to keep track of it all well even... i wonder if there's a split between like people who browse the internet with their phone or people who use their computer like and then those like like preferences could really like inform what type of content you're viewing. So here's something kind of crazy. So PewDiePie was the first YouTuber to hit 100 million subscribers on YouTube. And I think it took him something like five to eight years. That's crazy. But Charlie D'Amelio on TikTok in eight months from starting her account to where she was after that first eight months got 100 million followers on TikTok. Yeah. yeah. And that's scale. I mean, that's scale. That's the... You know, that's the beauty of scale. Well, it took us a lot less time to go from an automobile to a spaceship than it took us to go from a horse and a buggy to a car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Moore's law, right? Like that the increase is going to be exponentially less and less yeah. time. She's got 100 million in eight months. That's crazy. Yeah, that's in insane. eight months. For her. It's like 
just blew the fuck up on TikTok dance. But that's what the new generation likes. And as much as I'll shit on TikTok, there's some pretty great stuff on there. I think a lot of the bigger stuff doesn't communicate to me as a 26-year-old. But a lot of the stuff that people can do with the time frame of one minute at most and how to edit and the terrible UI in TikTok have made amazing things. And I guess maybe we just got to go with the time. We're old fogies now. I mean, we're on TikTok. We are. Go check out our TikTok uh, when we're there. Show. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I am not. I've, I've stayed away. I fear that I might have to get on there at some point in time. We felt the same. There's you also a level will. of there's also a level of creepiness for a 45 year old to be on there. Like, I think that there's like yeah an appropriate age range. I don't. I'm I'm not quite old enough yet for it to be cool for me to be on TikTok. I'm at that creepy uncle age. I will disagree with you for one okay, reason. Okay, what one reason? You are already a viral YouTuber. Like Liam has a TikTok because there's people that love him that want to see him there as well. I think you could fall into the same camp. You're not starting as an internet aggregator like straight at 45 so i think you're okay but that would be kind of okay creepy. i'll give you if that you started you if you just out of nowhere but I, I like what you're saying being in that little like that mid-range because if you're like properly old then i mean i guess i mean like, there's some huge old virus like there's some awesome 80 and 90 year old people who have yeah millions of followers on tiktok it's great my girlfriend showed me these like two 80 year old best friends these old ladies that like can't really move well but they do dances to certain songs like acting like badass wearing leather jackets and it's amazing and they're huge that's awesome so you're in that middle range but you have some staying power already so i think you can do it uh, just put another put another thing on the list <laughs> i mean i guess technically as an advertisement for tiktok we did kind of get a job out of it like, based on the videos that we made on TikTok for a promo, we did get a job where we're doing copy and advertising. That's pretty cool. So, I guess that's something. So, yeah. I get what, well, we shouldn't have said that because now TikTok's going to come for the cash. They're going to come for the guac. <laughs> They're going to be like, by the way, you owe us 20% finder's no! fee for ah, all of that work. Dang it. I think you're, I think you're okay. I think you're okay. Yeah. They're not listening to everything. They're listening to a lot. Yeah, but most of it. They're not listening to this. <laughs> well, we'll just pretend we don't speak Mandarin and then it'll be There we go. We're good. I think we're getting to that time, but what I I think we have a melding of the minds. Like obviously people know who you are, unlike us, but we're all people that I think are fascinated by the evolution of the in of the internet and staying power and how this thing, like this little engine that could, has become bigger than traditional media. So what would you say in your podcasts, what is your thesis, your goal of what you want to get across? So for me personally, I didn't have, and I, and you, I think everybody goes through their own process, you know, Absolutely. I'm trying my hardest not to make my podcast about me in any way, shape or form or projecting my opinion doesn't mean it okay. doesn't mean that it doesn't so it's come kind of the opposite of ours yeah no no not in a, not in a <laughs> negative or positive way just no. yeah yeah because i do have an, a lot of experience with viral and i have my own thesis on what makes something go viral one of the other reasons i want to do the podcast is the running joke is i still perform the dance i still speak at conferences and companies and organizations both virtually and in person and i still do the, the running joke is the dance someday is going to go from funny to sad 
like my performance of the evolution of dance yeah. is going to go from that was great to oh that was a good try so i am working also as well as kind of figuring out what i want my next my own personal evolution to be and one of the things i'm fascinated with is how things go viral and how messaging goes viral and so i'm interviewing all these people and i'm kind of reinforcing the concept that the same things that make something go viral are the same things that make a, a person go viral as far as a good leader inside an organization, a good idea that changes the culture of an organization. And it, number one is you authentic, authenticity without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, people especially Oh, that's a nowadays, huge theme of ours. I understand. Yeah. they. You can fake it for a short while, but in the long term, authentic, you know, being authentic is always going to win out. The yeah consumability like being able to shrink it down into a consumable concept is what is what makes tiktok so amazing is the fact that it is so short so it forces people to get creative in a short time frame uh and then the last or then like the shareability the ease of shareability and so how you make that and then the very last one is one of the biggest ones the difference between a viral moment and a viral movement yeah. And viral moments are those things that happen in slices of life versus something that really moves the bar or changes things. And so I always, my first episode of the podcast that I wanted to do was kind of a homage to a couple of the people were the original pushers, so to say, of the ice bucket challenge. The two individuals who originally saw somebody else do it, took the idea, linked it to ALS because they both actually had ALS. And ended okay. up raising over over two hundred million dollars over the course of the and original. Everyone ice did challenge. the ice bucket challenge. Everybody, all globally, and it not only raised that much money. At that time, the ALS Society's yearly giving was around eighteen million dollars. In their first six weeks of that challenge, they got forty-one million dollars donated. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so that's you know, and and the biggest reason that happens is because of the participatory aspect. So if you really want to make something happen and change the world or make a big movement, you got to get people involved. And it's the reason that every TikTok challenge goes big. It's the mannequin challenge, the uh, Harlem Shake, flash mobs, you know, all those things that allowed people to actually get together and participate is really what makes the biggest difference in the world. So when you get people involved, getting your audience involved, whatever your audience is, getting those people, you know, not telling them not to contact you and rip you to shreds for saying something that's not true would be, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was saying, Josh, are you writing this down? We need yeah. to start thinking of challenges to post there on we the go. TikTok. Okay. I mean, I'm it is. Now it's percolating. Now we have the email, Cool Booty James. So, you know, come participate. Email Cool Booty James at Hotmail.com. Show yeah. us your interpretation of Cool Booty James. Absolutely. That's exactly it. Yeah, I want to see drawings of Cool Booty James, and we'll cover this whole set. There we go. <laughs> well, I don't want to make this all about us, but to make it all about us for just about 30 seconds, I'd love to take credit, but Thomas did come up with a name when we were there at Bias Internet History, but I think that's how we see this show. It's when we were there. This is our bias history of the internet because I think we were just born right in that right time where when like you said normal people started using the internet we were like six we were kind of growing up on like all the trends whether it be like what site was up free online games homestar runner newgrounds and following homestar oh my god that's that's our go that's one of our goats <laughs> is to get the brothers chap on the podcast yeah we gotta get cool. them on the show but no but definitely <laughs> but definitely i mean like it just being able to 
grow up and be so impressionable and 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 just have the, all these like things happening and and I don't know, just it, it really informed the person I am today. And oh, I think me it's too. The same yeah. for you. So I think, I mean, but I think your guys' show should be about you because you're right. It's a, it's not about you like you individually. It's about you no. as where what your age, like your age range, because that's yeah, where you yeah, all our grew perspective. Up. Yeah. And not only that, I mean, for me, like when I when we started it, and I thought of the name, like when we were there, a bias in our history. I thought, okay, the bias is ours. But as we started doing the show and interviewing people and talking with them, I realized. Like everyone has their own bias, so it's like, what's your bias, and how does that compare against our bias? And then we compare and contrast, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, so I think, I mean, I love what you guys are doing. I like how, and you just, I mean, you've got an opportunity for so many cool guests from so many different things. Whereas while we're similar, you know, I'm kind of, I don't want to say pigeonhole because I don't want it to be negative, but I'm in that viral thing. You know, you look at somebody like Mm -hmm. Fred or Annoying Orange two huge huge things but i probably would not bring them on the show because i can't point to their one video or one thing that went viral doesn't mean they wouldn't be great guests it's just that's not what i'm focusing on at this moment well um i hate to say (laughs) that but we've now lost two cameras (laughs) (laughs) i could see the one camera going in and out so yeah my my camera is gone the wide is gone yeah. So perhaps it's time to to come to an end, unfortunately. Yeah, but we do want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Judson. It's awesome to see your perspective doing something very similar. And I think it's so cool to be talking like one of the people that I think we talked about earlier was same as shoes. If you talk to almost anyone between the ages of like 20 and 30 and we're right in the middle of that sweet spot (laughs) you know evolution of dance you know shoes yeah so it's so cool to get to talk to you and hear your perspective you're a really cool guy thank you so much for coming on the pod my pleasure forgot you forgot the the final question oh god Uh, we're forgetting because of how awkward it makes it (laughs) um so i apologize for this but something we like to ask all of our guests and only one person has answered we could say the quest is complete i think we can i'll say it right now just as like the last the end of the quest but what we ask is have you ever completed a hands-free eject no apparatus pure willpower oh no no way like pure willpower no at least not voluntarily yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's possible in the evening as a young child of some sort. I mean, that's all we've all had those moments, but no, not on uh, not on purpose. So okay. there's still just your your counterpart, Yusuf. Okay, so Yusuf Abu Talab, Daniel Beast from freaking Lonely Girl 15, only person who's uh, achieved it. But we have you and, and him together. Yeah, together every night, and we've <laughs> ended our quest. <laughs> So thank you for being the last person we asked that. <laughs> I, okay, perfect I'm not alone, but so we're was, a party it was, of two. Uh, it was all your goal because you were just trying to find one other person who has that skill Absolutely. set. Yeah, he was just I only so did lonely. it once. I only did it once, ah. I will say. Yusuf, many a time. He's the real goat at He's the end the of the goat. day. Well, you guys solved the issue. I feel like, like uh, <laughs> I feel like Sting probably could give you some training on that, right? Isn't Sting always taught, like well-known for his prowess and experiences and karma sutra and all that stuff 
Yeah. I think he once said that he had we sex to talk to for Sting. like 20 hours. We get Sting. Okay, so Sting has to have a viral yep. hit, and then we'll put him on the pod. <laughs> there we go. So when you get him on your pod. Yeah. And like calm him down from how pissed he got about. He's like, of course I've hands for you, Jack. Why would he even ask? Yeah. <laughs> it all works out. But I will say again, thank you. If you ever need some internet historians on your podcast, we'll do it for free. You don't I mean, even got to should... pay us our normal rate of five cents. But I think actually we should, we'll figure out a time to do it because I think you guys would be a fun episode to even just kind of talk about even some of the stuff we talked about now, but even getting into more detail about the specific viral things that we have seen and experienced. Because I've, oh, yeah, well, I've been looking for somebody to just kind of talk about it versus talking about your, you know. There's yeah. specific thing. There's yeah. specific thing because there's a lot of stuff we did, that... We'll, we didn't even get into Coney 2012 and I have yeah. this whole crazy theory about it, so. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have to tune into the evolution of viral to hear us talk about Thomas's crazy theories. I'm, yeah. <laughs> well, and we, I mean, we didn't even get into how Facebook killed, you know, how Facebook killed YouTube viral that when yep. they stopped, when they stopped automatically playing videos in the Facebook feed that was a YouTube link, there's never been a viral video on YouTube since, really. The, we we have a lot to talk about, so you're yeah. going to have to tune in. So everyone right, listening to this, good. just right away, <laughs> subscribe, five stars, The Evolution of Viral. Um, where can we find it? It's just on all the Spotify's, the Apple Podcasts? Yep, it's on all the it's on all those. You can go to the website, same name, theevolutionofviral.com. You can go there. It's got all the different links. It's just an aggregating site that has each of the episodes and then links to whichever your popular podcast platform is. Okay, perfect. Watch out for us there. We'll talk about a lot of crazy stuff. Judson, thank you so much for coming on. If you want to check us out, we are When We're There show on Instagram, TikTok. Uh, we are When We Were There on YouTube. We are Friend Styles Productions on Patreon and Anchor FM. We're on all... I mean, you're listening to this already, but if you're watching the video, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and we're WWWT Show or WWW There on uh, Twitter, but we never use our Twitter. <laughs> yeah, there's still only one tweet, so don't even worry about it. Don't Wait, even you don't even that. do like a, you don't even do like the Instagram automatically post it to Twitter. I mean, I guess we could because that's all I do. That's all my that's all my Twitter is. Is anything? Maybe I put we got to start doing that. My We're friend missing automatically to Twitter. My friend who like knows a bit more about marketing than I do uh, said we should try to have different content on the different platforms, which makes sense. Well, but yeah, it's so much sure. work. Yeah, who's got time to do all that? <laughs> Yeah. If you want to see our wild ass promo or our crazy weird videos where like Thomas is eating cinnamon toast crunch off my nude body on a table like I'm a goddamn sushi platter, then check out our TikTok because that's where all that is. Yeah. TikTok has all of our fun videos, I would say. Yeah. There we go. Okay. So again, everybody, thank you for watching. Uh, thank you, Judson. Check out Evolution of Viral. See us on there. Thank you so much. My pleasure, guys. Bye, Thanks gang. so much for having me. Bye. I'm waving. You can't see, but I'm waving. No, I Thomas can see you. Wave. I can see you on the wide. We'll have to use the wide. For me. Of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.